Hello, and thank you for tuning into Horrified. My name is Rosie Wickland, and this is the weekly podcast where we discuss social horrors and how we lived through them. Thank you for tuning into episode two of Horrified. Quick disclaimer you may feel some feelings as you're listening to Horrified. Please feel free to do whatever sort of coping strategy works for you. This should be cathartic and helpful, a way to work through some of those feelings that you're feeling, those things that stuck with you that you remember as you're falling asleep. Um, But if at any time you feel too overwhelmed, turn off the podcast and don't hesitate to work through your coping strategies. Take your medicine, talk to your therapist, get in touch with a crisis counselor if you need to. And um, please remember that I'm speaking from my experience and sharing anonymous stories. And so I will be speaking from the experience of an adult diagnosed autistic person and I will be speaking from the experience of a person who regularly deals with chronic illness of the GI stuff so uh, shit happens and we're going to deal with that here. Uh, Last note if you have little ears use your best judgment whether or not they want to hear this. If you do want to listen with your kids you'll definitely want to stop and pause and unpack stuff and give them a chance to talk about their own feelings and responses to that. Okay, thanks for tuning in. Let's get started. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of Horrified. I was wondering after sharing one of my most traumatic, most personal memories, what else do we really have to talk about? But the universe provides, and this is a minor one, but it's a goodie. Yesterday, I went to the library, and I love the library, and I actually had to check in some of my 50 books so that I could check out more books. We take out 30 to 50 books a week. Um, and so I'm asking the librarian for assistance with that. And right from the start, I'm like, oh, shoot, they think I'm a weirdo. Maybe I am a weirdo. So I'm in this state of self-reflection, but trying not to get super freaked out. It's the library, and that's the limit. And if you need it lower, then adjust the limit. <laughs> um, but I... Uh, I'm checking out my books now and excited for what we're going to bring home, but it's late and my kids are getting a little bit um, active and wiggly and out of impulse control and not in a normal kid, kids move, deal with it way, but in sort of a way that's not super safe. So it's a lot of redirecting and managing and stuff. But we're just going to get through this and we're going to get out of there. Go get some food. Go get home where we can be as weird as we need to be. <laughs> and uh, and then I knocked two of our books that we had already checked out into the little crack between the 18-foot long desk and the wall. And I, it was such a horrifying experience because... I'm on the hook for these books and I know and I'm starting to do that quick math in my head like okay two fancy hardcover children's books <sighs> there's probably like 30 bucks a piece plus the reshelving fee no dude we can't lose 80 bucks for the embarrassment we need some help and so I have I try to um, 
spider monkey onto the desk and cram my arms in there. But if you've met me, you know I have short arms and fluffy arms and it's not gonna happen. I, I could have sooner flown and I did not fly. So I, um, and so I call the librarian to ask for assistance. And it was so bizarre that it even took a while to help them understand what was happening. And, and then when, when they understood the gravity of the situation, they were a little horrified themselves, like, oh no, how is this my problem? I'm sorry, library staff, I am sorry, it's a creatively awkward problem. And that was a car. And so I, I, I'm trying again to scale onto the top of of this giant desk and to wedge my hand into the hole and illustrating (laughs) where the books are and one of the first library staff attendants there manages to also get their hand in the hole but less dramatic than myself but having similar proportions it's not going to happen but they did manage to unearth another library staff who is much better proportioned for the job. So they, um, they, they managed to, through no small effort, get their hand into the tiny crack after, you know, summiting the desk like a spider monkey. And they get in there and I'm just thinking, if this were any other place, I would never come back. I'm sorry I'm like this. I'm sorry I did this. I ended up just blathering and can I buy you a coffee, which made it weirder, but they were very nice about it. And then here's the best part. They found a bunch of books back there. (laughs) And then I was in this weird position of like, I'm sorry and you're welcome. <laughs> like, of course, nobody wants to spider monkey around the this 18-foot-long desk with this tiny little crack, but apparently they've been missing some books, and I know where they are. How do I know? Because I'm awkward, and I'm the only one, apparently, who was like, yeah, I can't really afford this. <laughs> I can't afford to pay for this kind of awkward but maybe we do all the time. Maybe we're just like, eh, I don't want to tell them that I ordered coffee instead of tea. Maybe we're always paying for awkward and our life gets a little better once we start saying, hey, I'm really awkward and I'm going to need some help with that. Um, and it's it's impressive when when you're not really making yourself someone else's problem but genuinely and humbly asking could you please help me how many people want to they can relate on some deep level to the times that they felt that embarrassed that hopeless that stuck (laughs) and it draws out an empathetic part of themselves sometimes when you're lucky and I got lucky so thank you library staff (laughs) all right on to the next one Here's a user submission that I hope you like. I think a lot of us can relate to this one. Um, My anonymous contribution because it still horrifies me and makes me sick to my stomach. So I'm 13 and going camping with a bunch of other youth. It's my first time roughing it at a campsite with only porta potties. 
No real bathrooms. I've avoided porta potties since I was little because I have some problems with germophobia, but I have no options, so okay. I'm camping for two days and use the bathroom lots of times because there's a rope course and we're all trying to stay hydrated. It's revealed to me on the second day that what I thought was a bar of soap and the sink was actually the urinal and the urinal cake. I had been rubbing my hands with who even knows how many people's piss for an entire day. I found out in front of the entire group. I cried in the woods for hours. And no, I don't know why the urinal sat as high as it did. I guess to avoid splashing people's shoes or the floor. It seemed like a sink to a girl who had never seen a urinal. Oh, new to urinals, girl. I am so sorry that happened to you. It would have been really hard not to cry. Keep your head up. You're amazing. Okay, this this story is going to be harder to hear and it's going to be harder to share, but it is really important. So I do want to share it with you. And um, this story um, is, I survived an act of terrorism. Um, So as you might expect, uh, we are going to hear a story that involves racism and Nazis. We're going to hear about um, our court system and uh, it's and there is death and injury mentioned so it's going to be hard but I think that by listening we're going to offer healing to this person and you never know what you might live through and having that in part of your brain might help you if you come through something like this or maybe you already have and maybe parallels from this story will offer you some comfort but I do feel that uh, listener discretion should strongly be advised and um, whenever possible I'm going to speak in the writer's own words on August 11th 2017 I drove I'm going to leave out their location. With a small group of friends, we were going to protest the largest modern gathering of white supremacists in America. When word came through the comms that the Nazis were marching with torches, we were still 20 minutes away on the highway. I put the pedal to the floor. Comrades of ours were surrounded and being attacked, and we had to get there as soon as possible. By the time we arrived, they were dispersing. No one expected an action that night, and we were rattled. I didn't sleep at all that night. I pored over chat logs and other leaked information about the Nazi plans till the sun came up. After breakfast, I walked to the park where the rally was going to happen. We got there early enough to watch the Nazis marching in their various groups. We participated in blockades to try and prevent their access to the park, but they had bats, shields, helmets, mace, lots of guns. We were beaten back while the police just watched, motionless. I found out later they had been issued a stand-down order, so no matter what happened, the police were not supposed to intervene. Nazis would throw tear gas into the crowds and storm in with their bats and mace and try to take out as many protesters as possible. I even saw a man shoot a gun at another person wielding a flamethrower. Police did not intervene. It was like being in a war zone. The governor declared a state of emergency and the assembly became unlawful and the Nazis were forced out of the park. 
they threatened to go start shit in a predominantly black neighborhood by sending the three percenter militia armed to the teeth. So the protesters started marching to the neighborhoods to aid in defense. We were joined by a group that had already been to Friendship Court, and the word was they were all well defended. So the march became one of victory. We turned off Water Street onto Fourth chanting, Whose streets? Our streets! The bleak day had finally turned into a win. I was on the sidewalk when I heard a car racing down the street. Just out of my peripheral vision, I heard the crash before I could even register what was happening. Everything stopped for a split second, and then I was running, screaming with anguish toward the car, toward people littering the ground. I was a foot or two away from the bumper when the driver threw the car in reverse, hitting me and smashing me into a parked car. My injuries were severe and life-threatening. I was in the hospital for two weeks, short-term though. I felt fantastic emotionally. I was angry and sad because someone had died, but I felt the best about myself than I ever had at that point in my life. Letters came in from little kids, written just for me, calling me a superhero and thanking me for fighting the white supremacists. Some were the kids of friends, some were total strangers. Those letters are my most prized possession now. At this point, I struggle with PTSD and survivor's guilt. I've been out of commission for almost a year now, and it's hard because I've had to put my dreams on hold for a while, but those letters get me through the roughest times. I'm gonna take a break here, fix a cup of tea, and then I'm gonna share my brief interview with this amazing person. So this speaker was kind, very kind, to share their story, but also to let me ask a few questions in the hope that if you live through something like this, or someone you love does, you're in a better position to heal and to help. So the big questions I had were, I realize this is huge, but what do you wish you knew that helped you heal? And what do you wish people had done for you or would do for their friends if they should find themselves in a similar experience? Uh, and they answered, well, I've learned something about myself from the crash, and that's in a fight-or-flight moment, I choose fight, and learning that about myself gave me a new level of self-respect. I wish I had that a long time ago, and I want to apply that to all future aspects of my life. Uh, I've personal note, speaking from Rosie now, every time I hear that, every time I read that, I've read it like seven times now, I get chills. That is so strong. Um, it's amazing. And then the, the thing that they wish people knew, I actually lost my best friend over this. He won't speak to me anymore since we were both at the crash. He wasn't hit, but I guess his trauma from witnessing the crash is very bad. He stopped seeking mental health and cut off all his friends who were in Charlottesville. I want people to know they have to reach out and get help when they face a trauma, even if you don't feel entitled to your trauma. Now that is so huge, and I can't even begin to unpack all the particulars of that, but even if you don't feel like your trauma is on par to your friends, even if you've gotten into that sort of mindset, it's not helpful, you deserve help, you deserve that.
terrorism interview part two. I feel like, um, again, if you need to take a moment, take a moment. If you need to skip this, skip this. If you're hanging in there, here we are. Uh, so the last question I had was really heavy and I wanted to know um, was the driver brought to any charges and did they have any feelings that they wanted to share about that and they responded that um, the driver faces federal and state charges life plus 290 years or the death penalty is on the table and uh, this speaker is very um, torn about the death penalty and their husband is strongly for it and they feel like that would be the easy way out, way out. Although they want to go along with whatever the mother of the deceased wishes that the prosecutor decides in terms of whether or not to pursue the death penalty. And um, I wanted to know if they felt like going through the courts has helped the healing, harmed it, or if it's been some other experience. And they said that continuing to go through the court cases really kept the wound open and that they're hoping to feel much better after the trial is over, which would be just in time for Christmas. So if you could, as the holidays are approaching, think nice thoughts for our listener and wish them a very best holiday. I hope that they'll have some closure by then, more healing, and I want to thank them for sharing this story because I, um, I don't know how many of you are people who have experienced terrorism and assaults that left lifelong alterations of the body, but I do know that many people can relate to different pieces of this story and it's an amazing story about triumphs and survival and I just keep coming back to that line um, where they say that's in a flight a flight moment and I choose fight and learning that about myself gave me a new level of self-respect. I wish I had that a long time ago, and I want to apply that to all future facets of my life. We can really learn together here. We can go into these experiences and just say they suck and we are not wrong, but maybe we can take things about these that we love about ourselves. Maybe. It's so beautiful how they have. Here is a much lighter moment. Uh, My friend wrote me and said, my embarrassing moment for your podcast. So I had to run a couple errands today, real quick, no biggie. I was heading to the last stop on my way home and it hits, I have to pee. I'm only five minutes from the store and a bathroom, so I'm not worried. Well, I pull in and park, go to get out of the car, and as I stand, you guessed it, my bladder explodes. I'm soaked. But I only need one thing in the store, so I look around. It's just a small town. No one's nearby. Run in, grab it, pay quick, run out. And then I did the drive of shame in my wet shorts. I'm so sorry, wet shorts. (laughs) I think that this has happened to more people than we could ever imagine. I've been there, done that too many times to count. And I hope that you're all rinsed off and having a much better day today. Sending love.
so I guess the thing is that whether it's this personal humiliation or a hate crime, we all have these amazing, horrifying things that we're living through. And when we talk about it, we have this opportunity to help ourselves heal. And when we listen, we also have this opportunity to help ourselves heal and to help others heal. And sometimes the best thing isn't what we say, it's how we listen. So I hope that y'all have an amazing week. And if you wanna write me, your own horrors you can find me on facebook on instagram on ooh, <laughs> on uh, anchor fm you can send me a message privately you can send me a throwaway email um to my gmail rosiewickland at gmail.com r-o-s-i-e-w-i-k-l-u-n-d at gmail.com and if i can i will uh, I will include it on the air, and uh, I may have follow-up questions if you have um, if you have things to share with people who live through similar experiences. So please watch for replies if you're up for it. But we can we can work through this together, and I think we'll all be better for it. Thanks. Have an amazing week. Love y'all. Bye.